All right, Landis, I have hit record. We're just going to hope for the best. I hope we've got everything going right here for this best Friday ever. Welcome to the uh, the Vitruvian Lab, dude. Thanks, Jason. Good to be here. You know, I've heard lots about it. Yeah, well, not many people come up here, you know, because this is my little hideaway. I think, um, you know, you and Giovanni are the only two people that have actually done an interview up here. And so for those of you watching uh, on YouTube, if you notice that I'm probably going to get out of out of screen, I'm going to like fill the screen, it's going to cut my head off because I'm just toying with this for the first time, trying to use some framing and stuff. So, and those of you listening on the podcast, this means absolutely nothing to you. But first of all, it is the best Friday ever episode of the Jason Wright Show, my weekly installment where I just wrap things up. It's kind of a free-for-all, have some fun. Usually it's always about health, wellness, improving always and always, or and, you know, inviting someone to come talk to me like this week's uh, episode with Brandon Geyer, somebody that's a lot smarter, more accomplished than me. I mean, Major League Baseball player, founder of Major League Mindsets. Just Did you listen to that episode yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. That is like, for, for anyone that – Oh, dude. I mean, anyone that hasn't listened to it, it's like a masterclass in mindsets and just a, just champion-like thinking. Um, the dude is just a stud. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, didn't know the name until you had him on. And yeah? I'm glad to know him. Oh. Now. Yeah. yeah. And here's the cool thing. Uh, so, that was my bad. Well, here's the cool thing about uh, about Brandon Geyer. He's much like our... Uh, our local hero here, just a just a hero of mine, Josh Tomlin. If you're out there listening, uh, a guy that had to push beyond his natural giftings as an athlete, he had to find something else in his toolkit to bring him to the next level, to which was the major leagues. And well, for that matter, it, as he talks about in the interview, it took him just to be able to get to play in college. He had to get beyond his physical athletic ability and then once he did that he gets to college and he thought well okay i made it to uva which no no small feat there you know wahoos that's pretty uh pretty uh a pretty good little uh university there and same thing happened he's like unless i really push myself i'm not going to be able to make it here and so he it was all about his mindsets and and you know stretching himself mentally so that his mind could exceed his natural athletic ability and so Great episode. It was so much fun talking to him. And uh, anyway, so if you haven't listened to that, folks, definitely worth a listen. Brandon Geyer is a special guy. But here's why I invited my old buddy, John, on. And I, I've mentioned your name on several episodes because we're like old men, dude. You know, <laughs> Thursday mornings, we're usually on the trail walking. Yeah. And uh, you decided to change it up a little bit. And so uh, tell, tell the audience what you introduced me to this week. Well, you know... It's kind of groundbreaking, and I think I'm the first one to kind of catch on to it um, totally nationwide. But pickleball is taking the country by storm. It's like the Beatles, but I can even play it in my physical condition. So it's a pull great that thing closer to your mouth. Oh, so can, you, can you hear me better in here? Pull tilt it up a little bit. Tilt it up. Freaking small timer. This is big there time. How's that? You know, I know you're not used to being here, and this with all this in this. Well, I just I don't want this blocked at all. This is this is where the no. this is where the monetization comes that's, in. That's that's where the good stuff okay. lies. But anyway, continue, <laughs> my friend. So pickleball taking the country by storm. Um, so much fun. Just like the the dumbed down version of tennis as far as uh, athletic prowess uh, requirements, and. Um, just say, yeah, such a good time. I mean, you can smash the ball and it dies on you, and so you keep it on the on the court, unlike I did trying to play tennis. And uh, 
I just yeah, it's it's just fun. It's, it's, it's such a good workout. That's the wildest part. I mean, that's drenched in sweat. Dude, 20, thirty minutes in tops. Dude, I was like totally drenched, and so it was definitely a little bit more exercise yeah. than our. And I want to see. I was going to pull up here, and I should have done this before we got on. So anyone that's out there listening, if you have not been introduced to pickleball, if you haven't tried it. Get after it. There's a reason why it's so popular. Yeah. It is It is fun. I mean, we only play. We played less than an hour. Yeah, and, 20 minutes maybe. Yeah, and I was sweating my meat off. And so I let me see here. I wanted to see if I'm going to share my screen here, and this never usually goes well, but I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see. Go to – got you on there now. Screenshot. All right, let's see if I can find some pickleball going on the YouTubes for people to take a look at. This is funny. I don't think I have my highlight tape up just yet, but I will soon. So let's see here. I'll find it. Get over here. Pickleball. You know, um, my little brother, I think I told you about, he is, uh, he's all into, uh, oh, and yeah, you told me that's usually played doubles, right? And yeah, more yeah, I think that's ball. the more common. You can play it as either doubles or singles. One on one. Singles is one on one. Doubles is. It's a smaller a court than a normal tennis court, teams, but it is still. Two on two. You're all it's over growing the spot. for a doubles number of reasons. Is, I think where it's a lot, it's a lot faster easier on the body, and it's a lot easier to pick up. Most racket sports require hours and hours of lessons. But with pickleball, you can walk onto a court, pick up a paddle, and within five minutes of learning how to play, you can be playing a competitive game with your friends. It's a really fast-paced sport, which takes advantage of your quick hands and reflexes, but it's also strategic. It's like a chess match on a court. Pickleball is a great workout. That's cool. Okay. So hopefully the audience got a little, little taste of what it was. You couldn't hear. I've got my headphones on, but it was actually playing <laughs> no, a video okay. describing it. Um, so if, if both of if you, if, if the audience heard both John and the pickleball description going on, I apologize. But I told you I'm experimenting with some new stuff here today. This is, uh, it's actually kind of fun. I'll be honest with you. Um, let me get I'm part back. of that experimentation. So absolutely you are, you're, you're, uh, you're a trooper, <laughs> but seriously, that is, it is one of the most fun things I've had, I've done in a while. And so it made me happy. Yeah. And so I want to talk about being happy. Yeah. Are you happy? I'm happy. Do you think most Americans are happy? I think if most Americans paused for a minute or two and thought about the things that should make them happy or mm -hmm. they could be grateful for, mm -hmm. then it'd be overwhelming happy. Do you know? But I think the average person, Yeah. I don't know, it might be a coin flip. We seem pretty unhappy these days, right? I mean, yeah. just as a country, when you look out there. Um, I'm reading this book I told you I'm recommending to you, The Comfort Crisis. Do you know what the happiest nation on earth is i get it's actually a kingdom i mean there is a first of all there is a happiness index there where they that can makes, i can see that there's like the freedom index and all yeah these, yeah um the happiest place on earth and mm -hmm. it's a kingdom mm -hmm. i mean um my brain immediately goes to like the opposite of what we would think would be happy like the the country with like the least there you go um so I'm thinking Africa, sub sub you know desert or South America somewhere. Well, you're close. <laughs> yeah, Asia. Okay, you're okay. close, John Landis. Yeah, it's sorry. it's actually Bhutan, the Kingdom of Bhutan. Kingdom of Bhutan. Yeah. And they live in little communities of around 200 people, and they actually have what is I can't remember the exact title, but he's like the National Happiness Minister, wow. and his job is to do. And he's a quant. I mean, the dude's got all this data on, and and right now. Less than 8% of the 
of all of the the people of Bhutan answer them or consider themselves unhappy. unhappy. You imagine ninety two percent of Americans being, yeah, I'm happy, I'm good. And you, and to your point, no, the, I can't. <laughs> you're 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 right on uh, as far as developed nations, they're like, um, I think the number was like one twenty five on the list, or I mean, so mm-hmm. underdeveloped. Yeah. They don't have Burger King, Starbucks, McDonald's. They have no fast food. Yep. Um, they maintain a very simple diet. They, the average uh, Bhutanian, I think is what you would refer to them as, I think they make less than $200 a month or maybe even a year. I guess I'd, uh, I should look that up. But uh, it's like it's all about community, simplicity, uh, and they're not. And so it's really weird because – that's one of the things that I'm really interested in figuring out is I think that what's happened in, in our country is we're just too bored, rich, and just finding oh, things yeah. to, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Com- complacent. The, the, I mean, the, the C word killer out there, complacency. Yeah. I mean, it, 99.9 repeating forever doesn't have to wake up and find their food during the day. Right. They don't have to, uh, Man, if I don't work twelve hours today, the lights turned off tonight. I mean, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's just from from what we, and that's part of that gratefulness thing of just sitting down and like I've got lights on in my house, mm-hmm. or hey, I I didn't get you know like thrown into the coal mines this morning because right. my dad owed prison you know debt or something. I mean, it's just like the things that have changed that we don't even think about are uh, just about infinite. I feel like. So one of the things I've really been interested in lately is trying to figure out the, the, this thing that you and I have talked about, the, the trouble that guys are going through, the male species. Um, and it's um, it's something that concerns me because – and it's weird. Like, so I, this book that I've mentioned actually on the show before, and I, I mentioned to you, or maybe you heard about heard me mention it on the show, and you said you wanted to borrow it, and I abs- or I wrote about it. Or, I wrote about it. That's right. It was in the Vitruvian letter last week. I yeah. wrote about yeah. boy crisis. Mm-hmm. For anyone out there, if you are the mother or father of a son, then I highly recommend um, what's Doctor. Fer- uh, it's his, uh, Warren Farrell, I think, is the 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 primary researcher that wrote the book. Um, I, I cannot more highly recommend this book, and it's weird. I've been saying, and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. That's for sure. Anyone that listens to this show realizes that. He's pretty sharp. Well, but you know, I, I, I'm just um, just an average guy. Kind of look at things and go, hmm. And a while back, I started asking this question: What is going to happen with all these little boys that are growing up in a country where they're told that they're inherently evil due to their sex? That, that first, you're you're male, and so there's a thing called that we've titled toxic masculinity. Now, there's no toxic femininity. But there's toxic masculinity. So there's right. so you have a little boy that hears that. Some of them hear that because of the color of their skin, they've got some evil traits in them. So man, if you're if you're white and you are male, then your little boy going wow, you know, and, and then and then you go man, my granddad was terrible, and my great grandfather, and maybe my dad. So there's just all these yeah. things, and they're and it this book does, and it's not a political book. It's not an ideological book. It, it, it answers que- it brings up questions like this. And by the way, Warren Farrell, the guy that wrote the book, used to be on the board of the National Organization for Women. I mean, this guy has <laughs> written about 
women's rights, feminism, the evolution of, and is a feminist hero. So to, to the listener, this is not a conservative book. It wasn't written in that, in that slant or anything like that. It's just a very scientific book. And like one of the things that he talks about is like, there's a great deal of concern over the disproportionate amount of black men that are imprisoned in America. Right. That's something we hear a lot about, right. But we never talk about the thing that, they having that 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 last descriptor. They're men. Most men, most pr- imprisoned individuals in America are men. But yeah. we don't consider that sexist. We don't consider it sexist that most men die in wars. That most men die in work related accidents. Yep. That most men die of suicide. Most men die of heart attacks. Most men die at the hands of violence. Most men are incarcerated. We don't call all of these things, we don't call society sexist toward men. And so what Warren Farrell is trying to do is raise the question of, okay, if we're going to tackle a lot of these big issues, as we should, as if there's if there are marginalized groups out there, we want to figure out how we can uh, make things better for, for everyone, right? Everyone should deserve to have the opportunity, whatever their their opportunities lie in America, everyone should have access to those opportunities. But as we tackle some of those, some of the remedies and the solutions that people have proposed, no one has asked the question of, well, what about the dudes? What about these young men <laughs> that are caught up in this? And and like he, he even yeah. mentions early on in the book that whenever he was working with both the Obama administration as well as the Trump administration for the National Organization of Women, they're putting together this big initiative for women. And he's like all in. And, and But one of the things that he posed, and again, this is two administrations, one's Republican, one's Democrat. So again, not an ideological bit here. Just a little different from each other. Completely different. <laughs> but the thing they had in common, he said, was basically, he goes, well, what about a boys conference or something that tackles the issues that are facing boys? And everybody was like, yeah, no, we don't have, we haven't even thought about that and we're probably not going to. And, and, you know, I I just, as I, as I look at what we're going through in the country with all the frustration and and of course I won't even go down the the rabbit hole of gender identity and all that, but man, if there's, if there's one group, I guess, and, and, you know, because of history and the way history has been painted, there's one group that no one seems to be going, Hey, whoa, what are we going to do? If all the dudes just kind of give up, which they are. I mean, the numbers are bearing this out, man. When you read this book, it's going to kind of make you go, oh, my God. There are more men than ever dropping out of school. Yep. There are less men than ever going to college. There are, they're, they're just listless. And it, ta- it shows how the difference between and, – and what we've been willing – a lot of the reasons why, you know, a lot of people that complain about men being attracted to – violence and heroism and chivalry and all these things. Well, we've always been willing to sacrifice men. Men have been raised and and yeah. it's and, yeah. and and parents have been raised to sacrifice their sons. And you don't and it's not just about war. It was like we're willing to sacrifice our men to put them on a high line to to fix the the electricity during the middle of a storm. We're willing to sacrifice our men to go down in deep mine shafts to to potentially never come out. We've always been there's always been this idea globally, because this isn't just an American issue that he talks about. Just globally, we've been willing to sacrifice the men. And now there are a lot of men, because we're trying to shift all the roles and not look at what the 
roles can how they can complement one another to where if there's no if we're not going to sacrifice the men then what's going to fill that gap and as you keep is i think that there was something in the news here recently talking about how hard it is to recruit for the for the military now oh yeah oh oh yeah it, it that went from a conspiracy online you know accusation to uh well yeah there's there's data to back up that people are just not really showing up to our offices to see what the navy or the army is about anymore compared to what could have been or used to be so and what's crazy is like so the toughest human being on earth david goggins whenever he went to first uh as a beast oh the dude's a maniac he's crazy freaking awesome (laughs) the guy whenever he went to try to get um try to become a navy seal Mm -hmm. he was out of shape they're like no you can't dude you're like 300 pounds you're fat yeah do you realize that now I think it's something like less than 40%, I need to find this, uh, less than 40% of would-be recruits um, meet the physical requirements to serve in the military. I mean, it's gotten that bad. It's gotten that bad. So even if you wanted to, first of all, men aren't wanting to do it the, to the degree they yeah. once did. Yeah. And secondly, if they even if they want to, they can't. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, the, that's a man. That's a perfect storm when the desire is decreasing, and the ability is decreasing at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You know, you would think if one was going up, you know, it could kind of substitute for the other. Like, man, he's got the desire, but I'll, I'll whip him into shape. Or the other way around of like, I don't know, he knows what he wants to do, but man, he's got the ability. You know, he's an athlete or he's determined, etc., to do it. But man, when it's neither. You can't. That's dragging a dead horse to the to go drink. I mean, yeah, man, yeah. It's uh, hey, here's some headlines that I'm just. I thought we could uh, talk about lawsuits pile up as lawsuits pile up. The porn industry faces a day of reckoning over accusations of sex trafficking. How about them apples? Look, listen to this. January 2020, 22 sex trafficking survivors were awarded 12.7 million dollars after a civil lawsuit against the Girls Do Porn Company uh, was decided in their favor. I don't know about you, but I have it has blown me away. The the people like they hear about the porn industry and how bad it is. You know, most listeners out there, you know, if if you're if you're watching porn, if you're doing anything with porn, stop. Don't do that. That is not a way to improve. Always and always. Right. But I, I guess I never even thought about the fact that a lot of this, a lot of the actual human trafficking feeds into to that. And so it looks like finally people are paying more attention to that instead of just kind of the, this, you know, it, it, porn's one of those industries like, you know, sex is just a transaction now. There's no big deal. It's you know, do what you want to do, do what you feel good. But when you live like that, these are kind of the consequences of those things. Yeah, yeah I've seen uh, some senators and, people kind of start to take some stances on uh, accessibility and, um, you know, other things like that, which is, I don't know, it's an interesting road to see what can or can't be done and who and who wants to pick up the torch and fight, you know. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Hey, all right, so do you like Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. So you what can was? go see him for, and some of his tickets are selling for $5,000 a piece. I wouldn't pay five thousand dollars if he was in my backyard private show. Yeah, but it, I, I just always <laughs> think okay. So I want to say something about uh, okay. So you know 
Bruce Springsteen, he's the blue collar, the the man's man. Wouldn't even let them use "Born in the USA" during the Reagan campaign right? oh, yeah. because that was really kind of a anti-war song, and it wasn't as pro-American as a lot of people thought it was. Yeah, um, and so I always find it comical when guys like Bruce Springsteen, who are multi, and God bless him, he's talented. He's the market has said here you should be rewarded, but you know, I mean, he's very much. Uh, uh, Big government, more kind of a socialist bent type guy. Oh, yeah, yet, yeah. yet charging five thousand dollars a piece for tickets. But <laughs> I gotta say this: so another really big uh, lefty uh, rock star, Eddie Vedder. Okay, I uh, I got to see Eddie Vedder in person, or not in person, but a, a concert, my first Pearl Jam concert, because he took a stand against this. So. You weren't, you're too young to remember this, but Eddie Vedder, or I keep saying Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam, went on tour, yeah. on this college tour. You know why? It's because Ticketmaster would not allow him to, or Pearl Jam, to reduce the price of tickets. He, he, he didn't like the fact that it was costing so much for people to, oh, wow. so he broke, they broke their deal with Ticketmaster, and he came to Stephen F., or I keep saying he, stop that, Jason, Pearl Jam came to <laughs> Stephen F. Austin State University. Oh, they rocked out in Akadosis, huh? William R. Johnson Coliseum, <laughs> one of the best parts of my college oh, I career. Bet that was awesome. So amazing. I can only imagine. So amazing. How about Ticketmaster and these companies thinking they can set the basement number to Yeah. God, I mean Isn't it crazy? Yeah, I don't I don't get it, dude. I don't get it. It's uh but you know, and so that's the thing. I'm like when I see something like you know, a guy like Bruce Springsteen, who doesn't seem to like rich people, you know, or doesn't like, you know, he's for the yeah, little guy, but says, yeah. but you got to be rich to come to my show. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Mr. Blue Collar until I need my services paid for. Yeah. I think he, um, gosh, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but he got his start at the Stone Pony in uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey. Really? And, that sounds uh, right. And um, my one of my best buddies, Craig Harrison, his that's where his dad's from, born and raised, and they still have a home up there. So I've I've spent a ton of Jersey Shore uh summer trips the last, you know, couple decades and it's right there, just about a ten minute walk from where their house is. It's it's a it's a neat little venue still still running, but that's their big claim to fame. Nice. Nice Snoop Dogg was there one summer, but we didn't get to go. So all right. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would have paid five thousand for that for sure. So <laughs> Rylan and Abby are always going to these crazy concerts that I just um, I'm like. First of all, do you like going to concerts now at this I, age? Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm not a best case maybe country music ish concert, but that's yeah. I'm, that's I'm pretty limited. Yeah, you know, the, you want to hear the okay talking about country music. The last concert I went to, what? It was um, John Conley, Rose Colored Glasses. Okay. The common man just drives a common van. John Conley at the Liberty Theater, Tyler, Texas. Wow. It was Tyler. so good because it's like 250-seat venue, old theater. That's my style. What's, I, is that the best concert you've ever been to? Best? Nope, nope. The best concert is completely opposite of that. The best concert I've ever been to was either that Pearl Jam concert when I was in college yeah. for a lot of reasons because, one, it's Pearl Jam. I mean, I had graduated. Pearl Jam came out and really hit their, you know, hit their stride when I was a senior in high school. And so my freshman year of college, to be able to see them, that was special for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But 
for my money, just because I think they're one of the top, if not the top heavy metal band of all time, just one of the top rock bands to ever live, one of my favorites for sure, one of my top three, Metallica circa 1998, I think. So doing the tour for the Black Album, yeah, Inner yeah. Sandman, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. Nothing Else Matters, Sad But True. I mean, every song on that album is good. And I saw them at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion in Houston, or the Woodlands. Dude, such an amazing show. Yeah. So freaking amazing. I can, I can only imagine. That was that was probably my favorite or best concert I've ever been to. And here's the cool thing that they did that I just thought I'd never seen a band do this. So for their encore, they bring out an entire acoustic set up to the front of the stage and they um and they play their encore acoustic at the front of the stage. It was really? just oh but you know what? I got to give an honorable mention to the best <laughs> concert I've ever been to. That again, so we're so we're going from John Conley, little bitty country venue, old school country guy, to Metallica to now. I've got another one for you. This was freaking awesome. New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety eight. I guess so it was going to be nineteen ninety nine. New Year's Eve. It's going to be nineteen ninety nine. So I was one year early from the millennium. Mm-hmm. Prince. Oh, wow. At what used to be the Summit in Houston. That dude put on one of the single most amazing shows I've ever seen. And here's why I loved it. I believe it. So I always thought that Prince was kind of like this weird, eccentric kind of guy. And he is, right? I mean, (laughs) but this was during the time where he had changed his name to a symbol, which, by the way, wasn't just because he was weird. I mean, those of us, you know, like me out here and just kind of the whatever flyover country we hear something like that i'm like oh gosh you know that's just <laughs> no he was doing it because the his, his record label would not let him take his name they owned his name so he's like okay fine you keep my name i'm gonna be i won't even have a name and watch me roll wow but he referred to himself during the concert as as prince you know which i thought okay he's there's that and then he would just kind of toy with the crowd with like little things that he would do and then like just making, almost being self-effacing, almost being like, I'm the huge star on this stage and I know it, but I'm also in on why you guys like me. And so I'm going to let you know, I know what it is. It's not just, you know, Bob Dylan, I'm just eccentric and I'm deep or whatever. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't really care that y'all all all love me. Not that to knock Dylan, but I mean, no, it was like, he's like, I'm in on it. I know why you guys are here. I know what you want to hear. And I'm let's, I'll play along. It was so awesome. But here was one of the best things that he did so first of all well let me before i get to his encore which was just stupid he would do at the end of the concert he would go turn on the house lights i want to see your faces and so imagine being in a concert and all of a sudden all the lights come on and it's like you're just in this giant room it was like during a basketball (laughs) game at the summit and there he is just singing and looking at everybody it was so cool and then at the end, he does an encore, and again, it's New Year's Eve, and this is Prince. I mean, I'm sure he's got some really cool parties he can go to other than just hanging out doing another concert. I, I would right. imagine so. Right? Yeah. I mean, Prince probably yeah. has a, had a, probably had a pretty cool had a social jet, schedule. Jet waiting to go somewhere. Yeah, big purple paisley jet somewhere. <laughs> um, Suede seats and uh, and so yeah, I've got a big bathtub with doves in it in the very back, and so he oh, gosh. so he leaves after the encore. Everybody's kind of mingling around, you know, still kind of uh, kind of still clapping or whatever. 
he comes back. I mean, this is after a lot of people had left. He comes back, and he goes, oh, he goes, all those people that just left are about to get real pissed off. Let's party a little longer. Play till 2 in the morning. Oh, my gracious. Play till 2. Nobody would do that now. No, no. no. one. I mean, and so what I liked most about that concert, of course, I grew up, but, like, when I was a little kid, Little Red Corvette, all those songs, you know, those were, they just dominated the the radio. Raspberry Beret. I mean, it's so funny. Just <laughs> took it off the print songs. Um, it was so fun. And, and and he came out like when he would play like Little Red Corvette and yeah. and those it was just yeah. it was awesome. But yeah. he literally the thing I loved most about that concert was that you could tell he appreciated his fans. It, he he made you feel part of the show. So yeah, that one. That one rivals Metallica. That's awesome. And you could say you saw Prince in 98 and 99. Yeah, that's right. All in one night. Dad joke. Dad joke. Oh, yeah. What's the best dad joke you've got? Oh, what are those? Have you seen those guys on TikTok that do the funny joke sitting out on the pier? Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're just like drinking coffee and And just back and forth with each other. I love that. Those are pretty good. That's genius. We should do something like that. Let's do that. Why don't we? <laughs> yeah, this is the simplest thing. That Just because really... we hadn't thought of doing it yet, but now that we have, we're going to do it. So. Yeah, we should absolutely do that. <laughs> um, all right, so let me see if there's any more headlines. Oh, by the way, uh, are you in fear of getting uh, monkeypox? I'm not. I, I think I'm... Are you going to start calling it something other than monkeypox, my friend? Because I don't want you making people feel bad by going around just slinging monkeypox all over the place. You know... <laughs> That John Landis, I, I, this isn't funny. This is serious. Yeah, no, no. It's it's uh there's nothing funny about serious, pun intended. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not worried about monkeypox uh being in my house. So we're I think we'll I'm gonna be okay. Well I'm I'm hoping um some others will be okay too. So, so this is what is kind of this is the most interesting. Oh gosh, I've I've got you off camera. I mean, I'm so messing up our uh, oh, you're good. Our, our scene here. And you and you saw what um, Tucker Carlson decided to his his poll results of what the new name for monkeypox should be. Since they kept changing COVID from one thing to the other, he decided to. I actually they're ready to they're going to change it instead of waiting for the government to. Yeah, what did it? What one? I saw the poll. You sent it to me. Long COVID. That's what I, I think. That's what instead I instead of long COVID. Yeah, yeah I. <laughs> Golly, I mean, what is happening? Uh, I mean, I, look, we we can't. I, this is just bizarre, dude. Instead, how does that help the population that is most likely to get it? Which just let me look. It's not homophobic to say that most of the people contracting monkeypox. In fact, I think ninety six percent, ninety six percent is are men who have sex with other men. Okay, I, I don't. That doesn't make me homophobic. And let me tell you something. If there is a disease that is predominantly transacted between men who have sex with their wives, I want to know. You don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Just tell me (laughs) so I can sit down with Jimlin and go, Hey, sweet spirit. I gotta, we gotta talk, you know, (laughs) granted that's probably unlikely. Yeah. But just this whole idea that, I just, I don't know, man. I just don't think you're doing, it's just like everything else that's happening right now in America. It's like, if you see something bad, something, something adverse happening amongst a certain group. Yeah. hundred percent. You can't call it out because you might hurt their feelings, but then how are they ever going to know that the problem exists? And yeah. they're, it's like, what? 
hundred percent. I mean, it goes back to the the incarceration point. Of yeah. Who's in Who's in prisons? Yeah. We don't, we don't discuss the uh, the breakdown. No. We just discuss it. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. No solution provided, but it's it's an issue. So let's just. Yeah. 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 It, I I don't I don't know when. I don't know if there's a time in our country where we can point to this is when things changed mm-hmm. as far as what you can discuss scientifically, what professors can even talk about in like the Ivy League, the Ivy Towers. I mean, they, they can't even discuss some of these topics now because it takes one student to send an email or a tweet. And it's just, anyway, it, 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 I can go down the pessimistic rabbit hole quickly on just how insane of a time we're we're currently living in. Yeah. Issues like this. Yeah. I mean, well, but when the data and science says one thing and you're still are muzzled or shamed for, Hey, I'm pretty sure this disease is, if you walk out of the house, you get it. I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent chance. Well, no, I mean, you know, you know, there's, there's, there's people that are, that don't have your privilege that have to leave the house. You can't say that they can get, I mean, it's just anyway, bad example, but just so crazy. It's a weird time. Well, it's just like what's going on right now with the economy. You know, we're all of a sudden, we're in a recession, but don't call it a recession. Yeah. You know. Now I, it's not. Now it's we're not. history. It always has been, <laughs> but now it's not. Such a clown world right now. It's just top it, down, too. It's not even just like, it's just. It is. And that's the thing. I You know, I, I would tell anyone that. I, I, let's go back to the um, the happiest place on earth. One of the things that they have in common is um, is that like the small communities. That, mm-hmm. and, and so, one of the things I'm trying to are you familiar with Tucker Max? Have I ever talked to you about Tucker Max? He's a blogger, author, and he used to write. Yes. Yeah, I think. He used, yeah, he used to write. Crazy stuff. Really crazy stuff yeah. about picking up chicks yep. and just it really has. And, and See, he peaked the, like that late high school, college time for me too. So yeah, all of my buddies were like that book's so funny. And, yeah, hey, you got a movie coming out. And, right. And, yeah. And, and you, yeah, you you shared an article about him pretty recently. Yeah, it's called the um, he, is uh, he Doom, Dooms, off, Doomsday Optimist. That's it. He's is he off the grid or kind of that was kind of the premise of trying well, to get there. Or? Well, first of all, it's kind of interesting. So. Here is kind of what I'm seeing as the profile for a guy who is definitely masculine, has had success, mm-hmm. is concerned with what's happening in the world, could do, can pretty much do at this point seemingly whatever he wants. And not, he and we can fill in the blanks of several others. What's the thing that he's done? He moved to Texas. Yeah. He lives in Texas now. He lives out right. in Dripping Springs. Yeah. And one of the things that he's doing that I think it's very relatable to the story I told you about earlier is in the Doomsday Optimist essay, which if if any of you that are listening, if you haven't read this, go check out Tucker Max, Doomsday Optimist. He, instead of hoarding food, water, you know, uh, munitions, he makes the point that it's better to gather, not use the word hoard, I guess, but um, gather up people with certain skills. So oh, if, that's right. yeah. if you're the guy that understands that. how to, you, if you've got mechanical abilities and know how to work mm-hmm. on equipment, if you are someone who knows how to 
uh, harvest crops or whatever, if you're a carpenter, getting people and bringing them in as a community and figuring out, you know, get your community set. Yeah. Who, who do you want to be around? If, if, if the zombie apocalypse comes, who do you want to be there to help protect what's yours and your family? And he's actually, man, they're, they're building a, a little community with a school with they're raising, you know, food and it's kind of like, and what's happening and I've never heard, I don't think he refers to it in that essay of the Doomsday Optimist. I've never heard Tucker Max say this. I think he and a lot of people like that, I can almost assure you he has read uh, Atlas Shrugged because that's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, like Peter Atia, yeah. who I, I love, you know, I talk about him all the time. He's mm-hmm. one of my, you know, intellectual man crushes because he's just a brilliant freaking guy, hardworking. And um, I, I just think, you know, he, he has a lot to offer. He's moved to Texas. And, you know, a lot of these brilliant people, wherever John Galt was setting up shop in the fictitious place that all the successful industrialists were going in Ayn Rand's uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged, wherever that was, I think in real life, it's Texas. The, all, these people, I mean, you look, look over the last, and, and, and this is crazy. Tim Ferriss is always first. He that dude. If there is a brilliance to Tim Ferriss, which is a lot of things you could point to that are brilliant about Tim Ferriss, but he's always he was the first one of all these guys that I follow and I read their content and listen to their podcasts and study and read their books. Tim Ferriss was the first one that came to Texas. As I as I think about this, it was Tim Ferriss. Then Joe Rogan's come to Texas. Ryan Holiday is in Texas. Uh, Aubrey Marcus, I guess, has been in Texas for quite a while. Uh, Peter Tia is now in Texas. Tucker Max is in Texas, and then the the king of podcasts, Joe Rogan, is in Texas. All and now I saw where Chris yeah. Chris Williamson from the UK is now in Texas. I don't know if he's going back and forth, but I know he's like he just recorded an episode with Andrew Huberman of his podcast from downtown Austin. So it's it's just interesting to see how the 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 country is kind of shifting, and I think a lot of these people are. It's it used to be that we were, I at least I can speaking for myself, uh, concerned with an enemy from outside the country, and it's not that they're it's not about an enemy. It's just that things are getting so goofy that it's like, all right, I got to surround myself. If 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 we're not allowed to say up is down and down, you know, if if up is down and down is up, if, if it's like Misfit Island. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right, where, you know, there's trains with square wheels, you know, fish are flying, birds are swimming. If that's what's happening, then that's kind of a frightening thing. So I want to get around people that still are willing to go, hey, you know, here, here's here's our secret handshake, our secret code. What's yeah. two plus two? It's four. Okay, you're in. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 100%. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's just – I just think this is nuts what's going on. And so, but the good news is we're, we're not in a, we're not in a, uh, I don't guess we're in a recession. Yeah, no, no. Um, household incomes and savings and finances are in great shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Look here. Look at this. Harvesting a bison boomer optimism. Number three. (laughs) And it's got a picture of Tucker Max with his son carving a, a bison. Sourcing food is one of the most important things my family is focused on. Where do, where does what we eat come from and how do we get more of it? Like most people, we used to just go to Whole Foods and buy healthy stuff and eat it. While, and then he goes into the COVID lockdowns and how they started harvesting their own food. See, this is the thing that I don't care if you're on the left or on the right. I would just say, 
learn about learn learn your learn history, world yeah. history, not just American. Learn world history. Yeah. Understand your body and how to best optimize it and stay healthy and keep yourself well read. I will say this about like one of the things that I took from Ryan Holiday during the COVID uh, lockdowns that I thought was one of the best practices I adopted was instead of reading current events, read history on plagues and uh, diseases that have hit the world at different times and see how people reacted and read the news stories from those times gives you a great perspective on what we're going through. Good. Wow. It's a good school. thought. Wow. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, we nearly knocked out an hour. Um, I guess yeah. that we, yeah. yeah, we really did. So, and for it being a best Friday ever, I hate that we had to end on, um, recession, Please. but we're not in a recession <laughs> and monkey pox, even though monkey pox can weirdly <laughs> impact everybody. I mean, you know, I'm, yes. I'm, anyone can get it at any time. It's just a blanket. So, so it's like, it's like Cree Bratton, you know, Cree Bratton, you know, on the office was talking one time about, you know, how he came up in the sixties and he goes, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of, a lot of sex out in the mud, you know, and there could have been a man slip in there. You can, you'd never know. Yeah, you'd never know. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. so <laughs> if, so if you party like Cree Bratton, you might get monkey pox. So you better check yourself. I mean. A little ironic that the first city to lock down over it was San Francisco. I mean, I know they they pride themselves on uh, certain features of their city, but yeah, I mean, just just it's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. It's it's really it's weird, um, but again, you know, just be careful what you say. Be careful with the data that you notice. Um, but folks, here's the deal: your reality and what it what is truth. Uh, to apply that to you and your family, you're never wrong to do the right thing. So the truth will always win out. Yeah, I guess so. Well, John, thank you for coming on. And you know, I want to talk more about pickleball, but that went pretty fast. I just, I guess the, my message there is everybody go play some pickleball. It's kind of awesome. And thank you for, uh, thank you for recommending it to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. It is so much. If I can play it and get a good workout and enjoy it, Anybody can. I'm going to beat you next time. It was my first time out, and I nearly I, I rallied a comeback. Yeah, but you had me beat. No, no, no. The, the, oh, yeah. the, the I, what we what we should have done too, instead of cutting it short, just that one game. Next time, what we we'll do if we hit our hour to, before we go start our day, we'll just end where we were and we'll pick it up next time. I thought about that. I'm like, you know, I hate that we cut it like you know about 20 minutes short. But anyway, so I've got to. Uh, I'm going to become better at pickleball to give you more of a challenge. I was within two points though. You did. You did awesome. Well, so. I mean, yeah, you did very good. I mean, you're a, you're a you know a natural pickle and balls guy. So, <laughs> of course, I am. Yep, yep, I am a natural pickle and balls guy. All right. Well, I guess that's as good of a place to end it as any. Ah, there you go. Uh, all right, folks. Well, I hope you have had a great week. I hope that this is an awesome weekend. Do not contract monkeypox. We're not in a recession. And gather your friends around you closely. Get a strong community together. And if you get a chance, get out, play some pickleball, and yep. try to improve not only your pickleball game, but everything. Improve it always and always. That's John Landis over there. I'm Jason Wright, and we are out. Well, that does it for this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, 
Thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out. Thank you.